This is the Suburban Folk Podcast, Episode 6, Comics in Media and Comic Book Collecting. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. Hey, this is Greg with the Suburban Folk Podcast. Our guest today is Eric, who may be a semi-regular co-host of the show. He has an extensive knowledge of comic books, as well as an impressive comic book collection. I wanted to talk to him about his history in the world of comics, as well as test my knowledge. Okay, so we are live. I've got Eric here with me. Eric, how you doing? I'm good. So I'm going to preface this conversation with I am a comic book guy, sort of, that you know read some comic books, as you know, when I was little, probably got away from it quite a bit, and in the last few years have started to pick it back up. If I'm being honest with myself, probably the movies and all the craze that had gone on there with the MCU and the Batman movies got me back into those comics. And I know you've been a big resource for me of going back into some of the source material and seeing what you can get out there that's electronic now and seeing how that relates to all of the other media that seems to have come with new comic books. And spoiler here, I was going to approach even my local comic book shops and say, hey, what's it like to have your own comic book store and what all goes into that? But there does seem to be a bit of a stigma that those guys, a little bit judgy. So you're my starting point to see what I know, what I don't know, and maybe how nice or not nice those folks would be uh, towards me if I actually tried to offer them to be on you know, a show like this. So let's get started by getting some of your history with comic books. Um, obviously, I know a decent bit, us growing up together, needless to say. But, um, you know, as I was putting some notes together, I don't know as far as ages or maybe, let's say, other friends for your perspective that were into comic books that maybe first piqued your interest when do you first remember getting into comic books as a form of entertainment? Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is the story that, you know, the Internet has really been waiting for is my history with comic <laughs> books. <laughs> um, so I, I, I thinking on it, I would say um, two things in, that just sort of randomly were in conjunction. One was the um, X-Men, the animated series, which I loved that show. And I don't really know why I wasn't familiar with the characters i wasn't into comic books but that show came on and it really captured my attention and then simultaneously um i had a friend with a, a group of comics that i was over for a sleepover or something and uh there was a punisher comic book that kind of caught my eye and dark hawk i don't even know if you remember it was sort of like a like a flavor of the week for marvel that they were trying to I think they thought they had a real winner, but uh, nobody else really got on board with it. So, But they were kind of pumping that character for a while, and, and there was a cover, um, I think like an anniversary cover of um, Dark Hawk that just sort of caught my eye. And um, it just so happened that that friend was sort of losing interest, so he said, you know, give me, I don't remember how much, 15 bucks, 10 bucks or whatever, you could just have the whole, the whole set of them. So I, I kind of got that set, and then based on um you know the x-men comic series i remember looking at 
uh, some X-Men comics at the grocery store. They, they sold them at the grocery store then. And, you know, it was really just kind of a buy the cover thing. But uh, I do remember that was uh, X-Men number 17. I still remember the uh, the number of it. So um, uh, that was kind of the first one where I, I, you know, bought it retail. That sounds like a very similar recollection that I have. Like you said, the X-Men animated series. I remember we would sit and watch that week over week more religiously. It seemed like than I can remember any other Saturday morning cartoon show. And I was trying to think of the age. I'm going to say for me, what, nine, 10. So you probably, that, that sounds right. Yeah. I think it came out in like 92 or something. So I was like 10 or 11, something like that. Um, and I also seem to remember that thinking that this was sort of a, a watered down version of the comics and, and almost like the comics themselves were the Bible. And then the the shows were just a, a summary or some like bastardized version of it. Do you have a similar thought or so you managed Punisher? I know I did not go right into something like that. And I'm sure as we'll keep hitting X-Men and all of that world sort of was what I st- stayed into for for the amount of time that i was reading but uh i know what what were your thoughts of the animated series as it related to just comics in general well i think um you know television for as much movie stuff is out there television's in my opinion a better medium for comic books i mean it kind of has that same um story arc and kind of quick you you can do either one-off stories or you can do more um you know long arc stories and that just Mm -hmm. lends itself better i think to television so i mean in a lot of ways the movie boom for has kind of popped up but television really led that largely with animated stuff even before they started doing the live action and and i remember liking that um about that show that you know i didn't know it at the time i i didn't think i was into comic books but then as a younger kid my favorite show was gi joe which you know worked in conjunction Mm -hmm. with comic books so um G.I. Joe never did anything like that. It was like, you know, you had your episode or, or maybe you'd have like a small mini series, but it was sort of um, done pretty quick. And then you get your now, you know, message at the end of it and you move on with your life. But X-Men had sort of like the whole season um, would would kind of build on on the story. And I thought that was pretty neat. Um, and I think that's kind of what appealed to me then about the comic. It was like, OK, well, they're they're only going to make. I don't remember how many shows were in that series, 15, 16, something like that, probably. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, well, they've only got 16 shots at it. But if I read the comics, those can go on literally forever, it seems. Yeah, well, and, and I don't know why, again, this sticks in my mind. But even just the look of the shows versus the comics themselves, I even had in my mind, like, okay, the comic is what the characters really supposed to look like versus the shows themselves. Now, the X-Men animated series was pretty spot on with what they were, but when we get into some of the movie pieces using X-Men as the example, like didn't look like it at all. And for whatever reason in my head at that time, it was, this is how it's supposed to be. Any deviations just, uh, you know, not part of, well, Canon, I guess when, I guess that would actually be true (laughs) when you're talking about official Canon and they need to get back to that, which, yeah. And I, I wonder if that's one of the reasons why the MCU has done as well as it has with that. One other thing that uh, you mentioned GI Joe and have you ever seen the series called the toys that made us? Yeah. It's a Netflix it's show. Yeah. And, well, and, and the other for the comic book thing, 
what so they do gi joe right and you know your your adult eyes <laughs> of marketing and sort of realizing what they're doing and and they talk about the only reason they made a comic book to go with that show is because they had to have some sort of an educational aspect i.e a book in this case a comic book to go with the TV show, which yeah. <laughs> and Transformers um, had a similar, it was, you know, it was like, basically was they made the toy and was like, well, we've got to tell kids something. We just, <laughs> so they kind of, they sort of invented, you know, the characters and, and, you know, it is interesting, as you said, as an adult to kind of see, oh, well, we were just, you know, dupes of marketing, but you know, Hey, it worked yeah. on me and I guess it's still working on me. So congratulations <laughs> to those guys. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, for sure. And and even for the TV medium of having that cliffhanger, which has become in, you know, name the big show, whether it's Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or whatever it happens to be, that cliffhanger that then gets you the next episode. It's like, well, I don't know if comic books came up with that, but certainly it's something that they rely on so that, uh, you know, it keeps you coming back buying, you know, issue to issue. And of course, we'll talk about as it expanded from when we first came in was that yeah. height uh, when there are just so many books and let's be honest, most kids probably don't have enough money to pay for all of those. And um, you know, there, there's, there's sort of a limit to being able to uh, keep them, keep them hooked. But, but yeah, that sort of serial. One other thing that came to mind is I once had a, an assignment where you had to write a, a letter to um, like a company that you, were interested in. So I wrote one to Marvel and I remember the teacher said, this sounds like a, like a soap opera, which I was super insulted by at the time. But it's like, when you look back, it's like, eh, well, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a, it's sort of a fair assessment. It, it It's a soap opera, but with a lot yeah. of cool fighting. <laughs> they don't have, they don't have that so much in soap operas, but otherwise that's a spot on analogy. So, all right. So getting back to the history. So getting in from the, the cartoons, Punisher maybe being that first thing that's really good that you remember the exact X-Men comic I can't say I remember the first one that I would have uh, first bought or, or read from there how did that then expand over the years um, and did it did your interest grow let's say into high school and college or did you have like I know I definitely had a regression let's say uh, at least through college um, how about for you yeah, I mean it was the same. Um I mean I was largely buying comics just based on, you know, covers and that kind of thing, just just sort of what looked neat and the idea of kind of an ongoing story really um I never really realized it as a kid because I wasn't collecting them consistently enough to get those stories. So it was sort of like you know, I'd pick up an issue and then I'd pick up an issue three issues after that and try and figure out what happened between the two just because I wasn't getting the consistent run. Um, but yeah, I know when the mail order stuff came out and I can't remember then there were, there were a couple different name of those companies. One mm -hmm. I think was like entertainment this week. I, I can't remember the name of some of the other one. American comics or something like that, I think. And it was basically like Amazon before Amazon. It, they, it was paper catalogs, but you could go through and, mm -hmm. and you know, that was like a dream come true for me at the time because they were selling at a bit of a discount versus cover price. So I could go through and get, you know, half off or whatever. So I, I, I remember getting those boxes and it was sort of, you know, it was like an unboxing event before that was a thing <laughs> um, of, of what was in there. But after that, um, you know, I started relying on uh, those companies. And as you said, started collecting comics in the nineties, which was kind of the height of, 
speculation and a lot of the, you know, multiple versions and anniversary mm-hmm. covers. And, um, you know, there was just a glut of content. And um, then the market <laughs> tanked. Uh, a lot of comic book stores went out of business, including a lot of those mail order companies. So the mail order companies went out of business. Um, so I kind of stopped buying just because I stopped getting those catalogs and then, you mm-hmm. know, college and that kind of thing happens and, and it just sort of fell off the rate. Not that I wasn't interested anymore. It's just, I wasn't actively buying. It, and keep me honest here, the mail order companies, like you said, you could get a subscription where you're getting the newest issue of whichever book you're interested in, but they also offered a pretty large selection of back issues as well that you could fill in whatever you maybe had missed from a run. Am I remembering that right? They, yeah, you are. And, and that's kind of why I liked them because they would have the back issues and I would go through because I was just getting an issue here or there. And I just got, they'd have like, they'd have it ranked by pricing. And I remember they had a, a quarter section and I'd just go through. And if it was like X fourth or X men, if it was an issue I didn't have, it was just like, yes, 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 yes. You know, yeah. every, everything that was a quarter, I got it if I didn't have it. Yeah, which, you know, I guess, again, around that time where they had so many, <laughs> hopefully there were quite a few. And I, I will give you a, a a kudos as well. I remember when you and I probably first did a subscription, you know, it was probably a debate for who was going to get X-Men versus the other X-Books at the Times, X-Force, X-Factor. And I think you let me get Uncanny X-Men. Uh, and then I think you did X-Force and X-Factor if I if I'm remembering correctly, which, yeah, I think it was X factor. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. You got uncanny and I got X factor. Um, that's all right. You, you ended up with all of them eventually anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually that X factor series was pretty, you know, and that's a good example of just, you know, so you, I tend to just kind of stumble into stuff. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily have a plan going in and that would be a good example. I took X factor cause it was, you know, the, the other option, but it was, kind of a cool book i I remember enjoying it yeah and and not to go back to the same theme but i feel like if let's say if we were into x-men in its comeuppance in let's say late 70s early 80s and through when they started making all these other x-men related books and it goes back to the same thing of hey let's throw as many of these exact not exact same things, but from the same group that, that people will hopefully keep buying, you know, maybe would have had a different perspective of, um, you know, whether or not it was a derivative of the core group or like, Hey, give me as much as you possibly can from this particular series or not. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree. There, there's definitely a money-making aspect to comic books, especially during that period of time. So it was, you know, mm-hmm. it's like X Men's getting popular. Let's put X in front of a bunch of stuff, and you know, see if it sticks. <laughs> and there were, you right. know, some were better than others, but um, you know, keeping, you know, keeping kind of the quality consistent was not always the case. Agreed. And so it kind of going back to the history. So college, hey, people don't have a whole lot of money. So probably not, you're not doing much there. So sometime after college, what prompted you to sort of get more into the world of comics? Because the punchline here, of course, is going to be your reveal of how many comics you currently have. And um, as we're saying, X-Men was definitely our, our, 
way into the comic book world, but I know for your collection now, it's well expanded beyond that. So talk about um, when that journey started to occur and how did that get you to where you're at now as far as your total Yeah, well, and, you know, if there's a downside with comics, I think um, the way I approach comics is is a mix between an addict and a child. So, you know, I don't don't know if that's necessarily (laughs) the mind frame you want to go at anything, but, you know, it's worked out okay at this point. Um, And, yeah, as you said, it kind of fell off. And um, it just so happened I was at a, a discount bookstore and they had a bunch of this is this is really before the movies started taking off so you know comics were definitely a thing mm-hmm. but it was sort of after the the 90s crash and they were kind of resetting and you know a lot of comic book stores didn't survive so i i think just in general like comics were kind of rethinking where you know what they were and where they were um and i happened to be in a discount bookstore and at the time there there just wasn't the demand like there seems to be now and they had a whole rack of comic books and again it was they they were a quarter a piece i think um so i happened to see them Mm. and i was there with lisa my wife and you know i was like oh you know I don't need comic books. I mean, it'd be fun to get some comic books. And she's, you know, much to her regret now. <laughs> it's like, oh, go ahead, you know, get a few. But it's, you know, it, it's like an addict. You can't have just the taste. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go mm-hmm. for it. So it started there, and yeah. I bought those. And then I found myself back at the discount store, and I bought another big set of them. And then that kind of led into to buying uh, more bulk, which was somewhat of a conscious decision. Um, but using, you know, things like eBay and Craigslist, um, to kind of beef things up. Do you remember in that first purchase, what were some of the comics that were in there in particular, what were maybe some new ones that, you know, you know, the, the tween to teenage, you would have rolled your eyes and say, I'm not going to read that, but maybe was in that first bundle. Oh, I think the teen me was was just as open to giving just about anything a whirl as the adult me. Um, I, I I don't remember all of them. I do remember uh, New Warriors. I don't know if you remember that comic book series, but it was sort yeah. of I had I had just a, a couple of them, and it was like a spinoff superhero group book that Marvel released, and I just thought mm-hmm. it was kind of a neat group of characters, and they had a. a big run of them like i mean i want to say it was like 20 straight issues they had sitting there for a quarter and i was like oh i kind of like that group of characters and you know these are dirt cheap and they're in good shape why the heck not so i don't remember all of them uh but i do remember there being a bunch of new warriors that caught my eye well and so that's a marvel one as well and i know for me i'm almost exclusively marvel and if i compare that to let's say the music world um you know if i'm a punk rock guy i'm not into you know stadium rock and and i'm afraid that hardcore comic book people that's what they view marvel comics as when did you expand to uh, you know dc of course is the other big one but when or did you ever expand to any of the lesser known i mean even like the image or the dark horse or, or others was that sort of at the same time or how do you regard the big two Marvel and DC versus the other comic book companies. Um, well, I always, um, again, through those mail order. Now, some of them like image, I mean, that was, um, so highly promoted that, you know, it was hard not to, you know, I feel like everyone that was getting comics had at least a few image comics because you had to Mm -hmm. see it. I mean, spawn was everywhere. Um, 
So Image, I think, was kind of on my radar anyway. Dark Horse was a little bit, mostly because they had the license to Star Wars. Uh, And while I Mm -hmm. really have never collected Star Wars comics, um, you know, made a real conscious effort of collecting Star Wars comics because they had Star Wars, they were sort of on my radar. But that was probably about it for the non-Marvel and DC. Uh, And I think, like, the Marvel Universe, I just like. Um, I, I, I've kind of heard that same thing. It's like, oh, well, DC's for sophisticated people. And maybe that's true because I'm definitely mm-hmm. not a sophisticated person. So maybe Marvel <laughs> is not for, you know, maybe Marvel's for me because I'm not sophisticated. But um, DC, I, they're, for me, the, like the Batman part of DC, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. The the other yep. parts, I like it and I'll read it. Um, but you know, like I, I got a, a big run of Superman at one point and I liked it. I mean, who doesn't like Superman, but I didn't love it. I mean, it, it just was not the character that spoke to me. Yeah. I, again, it may just have been the years that we would have been prime time for reading comics, but the seminal events of the death of Superman of right. course, was huge. And then the nightfall series for Batman, which I had quite a few of and, you know, for the for the final Dark Knight movie, even that's basically the premise there. I always regarded that as like, okay, DC knows they're losing the popularity contest and they're doing these, you know, massive things to their two biggest characters. And at the time, I almost thought of that as a, a desperate act to, to keep their readership. And that made me more of a Marvel guy. But like I said, now I'm almost sensitive to I guess what more avid comic book readers would say is, oh, well, Marvel, that's that's kind of what everybody does. Um, and, and you never got into anything else. And yes, I've heard the same. It's kind of sophisticated, which is also funny to me because I, I've read maybe two Superman yeah. comics, maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, if I go outside of the death of Superman. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I always thought Superman was sort of very straight-laced and there wasn't much to it because, hey, who right. can actually beat Superman? <laughs> um in any particular case. So, so yeah, that was always a strange um, way to define that for, for me as well. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, from, from there, it would just, Marvel seemed to, to keep me going. And let's be honest, there's enough books in that world yeah. that, that you really don't, if you get it, must have immersed in it, you don't have time for anything else necessarily. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to branch out, but you know, I find that the stories are good to kind of you know there are differences and sometimes largely for me batman um some of those Mm -hmm. some of those stories i think especially with the villains um i mean they get dark i mean dark maybe not to a level that marvel does i'm thinking of like killing joke uh death in the family Mm -hmm. um you know some of those types of stories are um there's still, if you go read them, there's some cheesy parts of it, like that are more focused to kids, but there's some actual storytelling going on there. That's thought provoking for adults. Yeah. 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 And Batman was always, like you said, was the exception for me as well. Um, so kind of going back to the timeline. So you, you, you started that first entry into a collection based on bookstore that had a bunch they were trying to get rid of. You mentioned the Craigslist and eBay, which of course I know is where your search went <laughs> from from that point. Um, what were your methods for, um, I guess, picking up people's comic collections? Because I assume that's how it went, is people that were ready to give up their collections. Um, how, how did you go about getting those? Uh, tell me about price points. 
Um, and then I know you would sort of put together runs and, and, and what, what happens with yeah. duplicates. Um, so for me, like from a price perspective, um, because I'm just sort of interested across the board, I'll usually look to get, you know, really whatever. I mean, if the price is right, I'm probably interested. And I'm usually shooting for like a quarter or so. In fact, that's still kind of my my target uh, per, per book. Um, and as I kind of expanded, eBay is the natural, easy place to go, or at least it was at the time. I feel like eBay's kind of fallen off a bit lately. Um, mm-hmm. But I had gotten just sort of what they had, and that got me thinking of, well, what were the, the, the series that I really, really liked? And I've got a handful of them, but I never really sat down and read, you know, issue to issue to issue to issue, which went to X-Men, because that still mm-hmm. largely is my favorite. So I started buying lots on eBay, and again, this was kind of before comics took off. I don't think this is the case anymore, but I could find runs of comics where they easily were, you know, 50 cents or under for sure, twenty-five, including shipping, 25 mm-hmm. cents in a lot of cases. So I started getting a lot of those X series that I, I had big gaps in, um, and eBay's great in that, you know, it's all pretty straightforward especially if you can do like a buy it now it, it you know you buy it it shows up at your door there's there's not a lot of legwork to do with it um but i found to your point if you're buying lots on ebay duplicates start to become a problem pretty quickly because <laughs> you know there's there's going to be a lot of overlap mm-hmm, yeah. um so what I would do is kind of just set aside duplicates until i got enough of a run and then i, I would sell those on ebay um but ebay also has its hassles when you start getting into buying and selling i mean i haven't sold in years on ebay so maybe they've made it a little easier but you know you're sorting comics you're trying to keep it all straight you got to get boxes you got to get to the post office yada 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 um so that kind of led me i started looking on craigslist because i had bought you know odds and ends on craigslist before and thought Oh, maybe I'll give that a whirl. And again, I think it was just mm-hmm. the time around like 2008 and I, 2008, 2009. And I only remember that because it was during, um, you know, kind of during the market crash and whether that contributed or not to mm-hmm. uh, the availability. I remember telling one guy, uh, and I think I was, and he had some good books in his collection. And I told him outright, I was like, I, you know, I'm, these books are worth more than I I'm paying for them. Um, and he said, well, you know, no one else is buying. And I said, well, it's funny you say that because mm-hmm. I I've kind of set aside a budget for buying comics and there's more available than I can buy. It's just, you know, there's, there's too much there. So that was good. And that I mm-hmm. had a lot of, um, you know, good opportunities to buy. And I got to read a lot of different stuff and kind of see things I wouldn't necessarily buy. It was bad. And that, you know, even though comics are not very big, if you buy enough of them, they start to take up a heck of a lot of space. So my collection, that's kind of where it really, um, you know, started expanding exponentially. Yeah, for sure. As far as the, the space and, and it's funny you say the downturn because I, for a brief time, because obviously I knew, you know, sort of what you're doing with the Craigslist stuff. So would peek here and there, maybe every couple of months and say, okay, 
yeah, if people are putting it on Craigslist, that means they're not looking for top dollar because otherwise they put it on eBay and they're just looking for somebody local that can take it off their hands. And the prices, you know, like you say, the quarter up to 50 cents, I, I just wasn't seeing them. And it, it was probably some couple of years, at least, let's say, removed from the bottom of the of the financial crisis. And I'd almost compare it to um, even even like buying a house the few years later um, for people that um, didn't want to accept, let's say what their house yeah. was worth, <laughs> you know, after, after the market correction. And, and I wonder if, I don't know, maybe the same happened with comic books, you know, <laughs> at, at the beginning of the downturn. Yeah. You know, we'll take whatever we can get. And then a little bit after that, uh, you know, Hey, let's be honest. Some people were buying those comic books because they thought it was going to be an investment sure. of baseball cards. Um, and, and then they don't want to accept that, Hey, sorry. A lot of people had that same idea. So the more of these there are, the less yours is worth and nobody's going to pay these prices. So I never quite found that same price point some number of years later. Um, so again, that, that's interesting that it, that you sort of had it around that same downturn period. I wonder if there was any correlation. Yeah. And I suspect there was only because um, I, you know, mentioning to a few people, it's like, why are you selling, you know, I can think of one collection in particular. He he had a couple really key issues and, and he was selling me the entire lot for like, it was under 20 cents a piece. And I'm like, why are you selling it? He's like, cause no one else is willing to come out here and pay me any money for it. Hmm. And he kind of said, he's like, I think, you know, the market being what it was. And I remember another collection, which this is in my, my list of sort of what might've been, uh, I had contacted a person who, uh, he was working for a company that cleans out foreclosed properties, and he had come across a big collection of comics that had been left behind, and he was selling them. And one of my, you know, boy, wouldn't it be cool to have comics is uh, Giant Size X-Men 1, and he had it in that. He, wow. he had, I guess, a big run of, um, you know, 70s-ish era uh, uncanny books. And I said, why well, I, I can't, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to offer you something competitive. And we kind of left it at that. But then he reposted, uh, you know, several weeks after I had talked to him and he had sold just the uncannies to a collector, but he had everything else left. And he said, I, whatever you'll give me, you know, come, come, come take them. So I went and I bought the rest of them. And it was a huge run of uh, Avengers, like 70s era Avengers. Uh, and I, I specifically, I remember it had the first appearance of Rogue in it. And I was thinking, boy, I, I wonder what I missed out on. What was in that uncanny uh, lot that he sold already? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if there's any any opportunities for a similar type of <laughs> type of find like that now. So all told, like you said, I, I think your big lots of collecting like that days have have tapered some. But all told, do you know how many comics you have in your collection right now? Um, I haven't finished completely cataloging it, but it's going to be somewhere just over twenty thousand. So that's a ballpark. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. wow, that that's significantly more than I thought. And and of course, for those that are not you know familiar with the world at all, you have read every single. I one have of these. not read every single one. That would be an exaggeration. Okay. <laughs> and now I'm finding that um, just organizing them is you know a bit of a struggle. Um, and 
digital comics are a godsend for that reason. And that, yeah. you know, getting them all organized and read ready is a heck of a lot easier when they're, <laughs> I prefer print. I just like having something tangible, but as far as hitting the yeah. easy button, there is something to be said for digital. Well, and when you were collecting some of these, I, I got to imagine that the cheaper comics were probably newer comics. Like you mentioned, again, sticking with our X-Men theme, that the 70s was when it really, well, obviously Giant Size X-Men and then hit its stride late 70s into the 80s. So I got to imagine you probably were getting books that were closer um, uh, year range, as let's say, um, to, to what we were reading. So like, let's say late eighties, probably in, so, so were you having to read backwards a lot of the time, just for the fact that those probably were the most readily available and cheapest to buy? How did you keep that straight as far as, uh, certain runs and certain stories or anything, or did you have to go back to ones that you did buy just to remind yourself what had occurred as you were getting into to new stories? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back. I'm reading backward. I mean, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at, at story uh, following a story, but reading backward, that might be beyond me. So I, yeah, I would right. I would go back and look. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I think some of the nature of comics and the way that they're produced is you expect there's going to be some gaps here and there in the story. And you kind of have to fill in those gaps based on, you know, what the next piece of the story is. So um, sometimes I would just kind of go off memory. Sometimes I would just accept that there was a, a gap in the story that I would kind of have to fill in. Or if it was a story that I really wanted to, you know, kind of dive into, I'd need to dig up, you know, that, that, that series of comics and refresh my memory on what exactly had happened. Well, and then, like you said, the, the electronic comics is huge and I am, trying my best to get through Spider-Man from the beginning through at least, again, early 90s when uh, what I would have remembered, at least anyway, from actually collecting comics. So that makes it much easier to start <laughs> from the beginning to what has occurred. Of course, even in those, the nature of comics where they reference this random event or this random person you know, that you'd have no idea how they twist together. But on the other end of that, of if you didn't have all of them, what I've found, again, looking from my adult eyes, is nearly every one of them has a yeah. recap of what had right. occurred. So I guess there's also that crutch, that, which yeah, makes sense from, from being cynical from a marketing standpoint. Hey, new reader, don't worry. You can you know jump in wherever and start, you know, buying from here on out. But, uh, you know, if if you had the, uh, had the books before, then you also have some sort of a reference point to, to go on. So Yeah, and um, a lot of the comics would have the little asterisks at the bottom. If someone makes a statement, it's like, yeah. go back and read issue number, you know, that that's all a marketing ploy Go, you know let's get people hooked on buying the back issues yeah and and, and again just with what i've read for spider-man so far i mean you can see it from the beginning ones in the 60s where there's not that many of them a because they don't have that many books b because they're starting out and they're not trying to be the behemoth that they would eventually become and then once you get a little bit further maybe late 60s into the 70s you start to see a few more and the amount of teams yeah you mentioned new warriors i do remember the new warriors just because that was right right during that time frame that we would have been reading but i don't know some of the ones that have come up the defenders the champions uh sticking sticking with the marvel characters and it's just sort of okay what what characters can we throw together to have a new book here and see what sticks 
Um, yeah, and I mean, they've, on. after the fact, pretty much admitted, you know, it was like, well, we looked at the marketing data and mm-hmm. we found that if people liked one superhero, they liked six better. So let's throw <laughs> them together and see how that sells, which, you know, I'm not criticizing. That's, you know, the nature of the business. But yeah, you can definitely see those trends. It, it will, or in, and back to Batman, uh, my library has the Nightfall, and I forget the name of the series right after it. Night, Night Quest? Night I think. Quest, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, so I, even classic, you know, Batman comics. It's the, I hate to say formula that that makes me sound like a non comic book guy, but you know, n- new villain in a lot of them, um, at least for a couple issues. Hey, who sticks? Who's who's going to be a good one? Do, do the readers like them? No, all right, we're done with that one. We'll go to the next one. You know, of course, here and there, then you'll get sort of the the really mainstay villains and get more of a story. But there is that that way of going through episodes to seeing what sticks with some of the character names and um the the ones that you see and don't see and it's like yeah hey the ones you love is really because they introduced it at one point they got reader mail or reader reactions so, so whether or not they should bring the person back and that's what they did um, yeah you know they're and even worse i think during like the 90s period because they were doing that see if it sticks but in um in conjunction with kind of the collectible piece of it so i'm uh mm-hmm. x-force annual two i remember getting that as a kid and i don't even remember the care i remember they introduced a character and it was like this guy's mm-hmm. you know he's the best thing since sliced bread and it was like well pff, forget about saving for retirement i got this thing i guess yeah. this guy's gonna be you know the new spider-man or whatever and as i just said i can't even remember that guy's name so yeah yeah well, and they're doing it again. Do you read any of the current things? And again, admittedly, I, I, you know, on social media, I have a like for Marvel, so I see their stuff that comes up. I, I saw something that said, I don't know the guy's name, but an up-and-coming writer has been assigned to X-Men. They're doing this big revamp, reboot, yeah. and um, seem to be all about it. And and like you say, yeah, that that's where my mind goes, like, eh. We'll see, but you know, it's it's very different. It's a very different look than my X Men. Let's yeah, say. and I mean Marvel, uh, well, not just Marvel. I mean the comic book. They've been doing that for years, and usually there is kind of a right. a nerd backlash. Like these aren't my X Men, and and I I mean I understand yeah. like why people would say that, and and you had said earlier kind of the canon. I mean canon in comic books is you know loose at best so it's like right and i understand why i mean who can keep that many years and that many stories straight and and you know kind of make mm-hmm. like a cohesive arc so i understand why it is the way it's it is but spoiler alert you know people for the the some of the newer marvel movies it's like oh you know this person died and this person died Calm down. If I know one thing about comic books, it's that death is just a – that's a temporary inconvenience. You know? they're, they're not, they're not yeah, gone for, for sure. long. <laughs> well, um, and that might even segue us into to another couple questions that I've had as far as going back to DC and one thing maybe for Marvel that would have just been more fresh by the – fact that they were a newer company relatively speaking than dc like your origin stories for the marvel comics characters are pretty set in stone you can go back to those issues uh, if you go through the batman stuff or superman yeah there is relatively the origins but it's a little more hazy just because i think right out of the gate there were different iterations just because comics weren't as established as they're in their place in pop culture as they are now um and so 
something else I've also noticed in getting into the comics is there's a lot of references to people talking about the artists and the writers. And I will admit, I never read who was the uh, artist in a book or the writer in a book. But um, one that, that comes to mind, again, sticking with the Batman theme. So Frank Miller, and I guess he's credited as one of the first. And again, I only know this from now adult researching. <laughs> I had no idea if this is a kid thing, but being the guy that makes right. Batman the dark, um, more brooding character than most people maybe would say the 60s Batman TV show type of Batman. Yeah, he kind of took it out. It, it was like very campy, and he's mm-hmm. the one that kind of returned it to that, you know, dark detective type type thing. Yeah. So did you ever, you know, in again, your teen and tween and teen years, really pay attention to the writer of a particular book or the uh, the artist? No, I mean, during my teen years, not at all. Um, even now, it's definitely not. I mean, there are people that are like encyclopedias, and, and mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people. I mean, they can rattle off. Um, for free comic book day, the, my comic book shop that I like nearby, they always have two artists in that'll do sketches and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. really cool to see it. You know, I don't wait in line. There's usually a, a line for it. I just like seeing the other people, and and I usually have to look those artists up to know what books they've worked on but then i'll do that beforehand and it's neat to see these other folks that come in they know it you know it's like can Mm -hmm. you do spider-man or can you do wolverine i mean they know what these artists have drawn and they know exactly you know what it is they want them to do for them at at the uh at the event so i enjoy seeing it it's really fun to see those folks you know really have it nailed down Uh, some of the big names like you know frank miller yeah i mean i know you know his work chris claremont uh, is a big mm-hmm. one for me because he kind of um, I like Stan Lee's like you know kind of the Stan Lee Jack Kirby I mean who doesn't love that stuff but um, right I think Claremont for me is is kind of an interesting story where he he sort of made the X Men what they are I mean mm-hmm. Stan Lee created them but they they were dying on the vine and Claremont came in and and I I think I start to pay attention when a writer has done something either out of the ordinary or they've they've really put a genuinely good story together. I mean, Claremont's the one that basically started, um, you know, the X-Men is, I mean, I think either a metaphor for, you know, racism or homophobia or, or, or you know, kind of the feelings around that. And, um, you know, he did it in interesting kind of sci-fi ways, sci-fi ways, but um you know, that's when I start to take notice more. I mean, you have on your list here as well, Todd McFarlane. I mean, he, yeah, he's great. And, and, mm-hmm. but he's, I think he's as an artist, you know, great. I know he does a lot of writing and he kind of was, you know, the creator of Spawn and, and Spawn is still going. <laughs> it's like, it's still around. Right. Um, but it's, it's usually like a bigger name person that, they kind of have a body of work and then they'll show up on my radar. Uh, I know there's other people that will kind of zoom in on a certain book and be like, Oh, you know, this series is killing it. And they will, they'll go read, you know, who's the artist, who's the writer, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I guess that would make sense going to going back to, okay, if it's not Marvel or DC, are there other up and coming comic companies where one of these guys maybe did something differently than they otherwise would have or even for marvel dc and i'm thinking 
honestly, I don't know who did the Watchmen, but Watchmen is DC as far as I'm aware, um, but a very different type of story than they maybe otherwise would have had that could point you to something like that. Or another, I think Heck Frick Miller was Sin City, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so so maybe those as examples of, like you say, you can follow the writers that way so that if you're branching out from the characters that you know, you can at least trust the writer and uh, what they do and what they're bringing to the table for maybe a different type of series if you're looking for something new, which I never really got to that point, I guess. So maybe why I didn't um, pay attention to a particular artist. And, and just like you said, for Todd McFarlane, I remembered it for Spawn because Spawn had a lot of fanfare coming out. Honestly, I think him and his Spider-Man run was a little yeah. bit before, just before my time, at least anyway. Um, so I, I don't think I actually even knew that that's where he made his name before leaving Marvel. Yeah. And it's awesome. I've, I've collected that. And I mean, it's his run on Spider-Man. There's a reason that it, it was as popular as it was. It's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And also Watchmen, by the way, is Alan Moore, uh, who's a, okay. just a great writer. <laughs> so like Watchmen was sort of his like culmination. Well, I don't know if culmination is the right word, but that was sort of his take on like, um, you know, what would the world potentially really be like if there were superheroes? We've got, you know, Superman, it's, it's kind of all, you know, mostly upside and, and, you know, Watchmen, I think was his take of, you know, would it really be all upside if these people actually existed, which I think is what makes it a great story. It's kind of a different twist on, you know, what the world might be like with superheroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, getting to the the end uh, items that I wanted to cover, um, and admittedly, to some extent for me, getting back into comic books uh, is as much as they've come into pop culture. The MCU being the most obvious obvious example in recent memory, we kicked off with the animated X-Men series. Um, One we didn't hit on was the Batman series right around the same time, which has really been revered, I think, as one of the, the best adaptations. Um, what were some of your other highlights the, uh, as far as um, multimedia for comic book representation? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, Batman the Animated Series is great. I mean, there's there's story. I rewatched that series as an adult, and there's episodes of that that I'm like, mm-hmm. Mike, this is just absolutely heart-wrenching like some of those even as an adult some of those episodes stand up and then you know obviously that show has become famous because it was the introduction of harley quinn so it you know it's kind of that one was sort of firing on all cylinders um and you know you mentioned blade and that's often talked about as you know kind of introducing the big bigger budget superhero or, or, or marvel movie although uh i don't know do you know what the first big budget uh marvel movie was like in theaters if I had to guess, I'd say Howard the Duck. But yeah, that's it. it yeah, really? bingo. yeah, it's Howard <laughs> the Duck. Because right. they tried to produce, you know, a few others, and they either were really bad and never got released, or they were released yeah. right to DVD. Howard the Duck, which, like, I like the new Howard the Duck, but that movie is, you know, it's not exactly cinematic gold. So, <laughs> um, and it's a Lucasfilm production, so it's like, how, you know, I, this is not what I would have expected from the first Marvel uh you know collab with lucasfilm for a movie but anyway um you know i I remember i i wasn't even that familiar with blade and i remember watching it and just enjoying it um Mm -hmm. and i found that you know the movies by and large they 
they're pretty darn good. I mean, they're just they're just fun to watch. I, I mean, I'm not qualified to say whether they're cinematic art or not, but um, I, mm-hmm. I do enjoy watching them. And it's it's rare I find one that um, I know DC has kind of gotten uh, a lot of criticism for their movies. And I understand the criticism. But even then, even those movies that are not as good or that, that people tend to criticize, I usually find that I enjoy it. I, I, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around the fact that some of these properties are, you know, actually being produced, <laughs> like it's, you know, I see some of these things and, and I'm like, I, you know, never in my wildest, like when the X-Men movies came out, it was like, wow, this is neat. And, and I, it's so cool mm-hmm. to see it, even though, as you said earlier, it's kind of a different take. I mean, there, there's all kinds of stuff on the internet you can look up, like, you know, what would a live action version look like if they used the, the suits from the comic books and the costumes from the comic and it looks, looks absurd. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm right. glad they've kind of taken it and made it their own. Um, but I'm, I, I'm still kind of surprised at, you know, how deep of a dive that it seems like they're taking into comic books now with the MCU again, being what it is. If I remember with Iron Man coming out and I think I read something not that long ago that, in the comic book world, Iron Man yeah. is a B-level character. <laughs> it certainly was when it first came out. It's just that's what Marvel had left um, after the breakup of all of their intellectual properties. Um, they just happened to do really well with it. <laughs> so Yeah, and I'm not sure how he surfaced. I mean, I know they had a nightmare with – things had gotten licensed by – people that clearly didn't understand what the characters were. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Iron Man was licensed somewhere. Captain America was licensed somewhere else. And the Avengers was licensed. It's like, well, how the hell, how do you do the Avengers without like Captain America in it? So, yeah, I mean, they've kind of, for as long as it took them to kind of get out of the gate, I mean, they're, they're doing it right. And I think, you know, as I was saying earlier, I think we're seeing what was the, there was a mini series or something about the Inhumans. And mm-hmm. I was like, does anyone, I mean, I know I'm yeah, super know excited. Are, to right? Lockjaw, like, I'm like, please show me a live action Lockjaw. But um, I was like, does anyone even know who the Inhumans are? Mm-hmm. How are we making, you know, how does this exist? But, um, you know, I know that was not the most well-received thing, but just the fact that they made a production of it still boggles my mind. Well, even the inter- the Eternals is coming out next year, and I, I'll admit I know almost nothing about I, uh, the Eternals. I know it's supposed to be almost like the creation story Marvel yeah. style, and then it expands from there. But uh, yeah, that, that tends to get pretty obscure. Of course, people point to Ant-Man as being one where it's like, okay, Marvel pretty much thinks it can do whatever it wants at this point. And, it's and, and they are. I mean, yeah, Ant-Man's another good example. It's like, really? They made an Ant-Man? Really? It's successful? So yeah, I mean, I mean, good for them. Clearly they're right because they seem to keep knocking it out of the park. Yeah. And, and I think something else you know i had in my notes that it seems like the comic books into movies being a good idea is relatively new but when you do some research about other comic books that are not your capes and cowls comics um there really are others again some of the lists that i noted like road to perdition 
It's a really good movie. Yeah. It's based on a comic book. Yeah. Um, History of Violence was another one that I know I saw I really liked. Um, I, and there's a handful of, of others that are so now, heck, Howard the Duck, people may not know what's a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> we may want to keep that, you know, to ourselves that, uh, that it actually originated from a comic book. But, uh, you know, it's not a brand new concept. And, you know, also, I think there's a Netflix documentary that goes through all these things and the, the fanfare that came out with the Michael Keaton Batman movies. And I remember those too and being pretty excited to watch them. Obviously, they went a little downhill afterwards but it wasn't that long after those that the x-men movies did come out so there was a you know it wasn't today where there's gosh five or six of them seemingly coming out every year but you know one or two a year so it's always been i think somewhat in the um pop country pop culture forefront um just just not quite as noticeable as it has been now and so the other question I had here is, so what do you think? Do you come across people that that's their only um, experience with the comic book world is just the movies? Because I know I have a couple of buddies that this does apply to. And do you roll your eyes at all? Because they only know, let's say, the movie stories, nothing else going on. Or is it just, hey, cool, welcome to the party. Any any thoughts on on people that are only only familiar based on the, the movies? Yeah, I mean, if if someone just likes the movies, I don't. I don't take exception to that. I think the only time I take exception is if someone kind of poo-poo's comic books for, you know, kind of the reason you just said. If I it really doesn't matter what you're in like whatever you're interested in or whatever type of story you want, there's probably a comic book around it. And and mm-hmm. I've kind of found that more as, you know, I'm looking for comics that my kids might be interested in on free comic book day and, you know, there's there's still like Care Bear comic books and it's like, you know, so there's like really cutesy kid things. There's really dark, like explicitly for mm-hmm. adults only. I mean, you said Road to Perdition. That's a, I actually didn't know when I saw that movie that it was a comic book, but I loved the movie. And then soon after found out it was a comic book. And after finding out it was a comic book, it was like, oh yeah, I can definitely see how this was a comic book. You know, I probably mm-hmm. should have had it pegged as, as such. So, I mean, I think people are getting a taste of that um, in the movies. I mean, you have some of these movies that are PG. You've got some of them that are rated R. Um, so the superhero thing is definitely, you know, most people that's, that's what they're going to be familiar with. So I don't take exception to it. I, I know that there's not, I've read several articles that there's not necessarily a correlation between the people that are watching the movies and those that are picking up comic books. And I wish that was a little different just because I feel like people probably would enjoy them, but you know, I don't think they're obligated in any way to do that. Like go see the movies if that's what you want to do, but you might pick up a comic book just to see, you know what it's about. I tend to agree with that. Um, so the last question and completely full circle is comic book shops. So you said there is one close to you. Sounds like maybe once in a while you'll, you'll visit that shop. I have one near me. They're actually getting ready to expand interestingly enough. So hopefully that means business is good for them. But uh, do you make your way to the comic book shop on any kind of a regular basis? I still, I, I'm, I'm kind of in a period where, I'm uh, about a capacity from a space perspective. So I try to be a little selective in um, what I buy. And as we talked about earlier, I think I'm not seeing the 
collections and lots as available and I'm not seeing them as inexpensively as I once did. So I've kind of pulled back from that, but I'm always kind of just interested in um, seeing what's out there. And if I can get it at a fairly inexpensive price, like I'll just, I'll just buy a bunch of them and, you know, give it a read and see what I think. Um, and yeah, I do have a comic book shop near me and they always do free comic book day, which if anyone doesn't know, it's the first uh, Saturday in May. It's, definitely worth going almost mm. every comic book shop does it almost every comic book shop has some kind of really good deals going on on comics or graphic novels so you can go you can pick up a handful of comics for free buy something at half price or whatever so that they get a little business out of it and of you know whatever topic it is you're interested in um but it makes for you know kind of a, a fun day and then they also will do a like black friday type thing where they'll just um this particular comic shop doesn't have a lot of space so i think what he does is he just lets his dollar bin build up and then twice a year it's like we got to move these things out and and he'll cut those either in half or 75 percent. so i'm picking up comics for 25 cents 50 cents um and they're newer stuff that's kind of how i read newer things if i'm buying other people's collections it's usually at least a couple years old so um I, i've kind of apologized to him a few times it's like i show up i buy like you know 500 comics or whatever you've got to ring them up individually and you know you're you're just kind of getting rid of them i'm sure he's selling them at a loss but he said multiple times it's like i you know i got to clear out some inventory here so i appreciate that you just come and you buy it so that for me is kind of a good easy way of doing yeah. it I will venture into different comic books. I mean, that's my go-to. It's the closest to my house, and I really like the owner there. Um, and it's it's a nice store. It's it's a bright retail space. Um, other comic shops, you know, comic shops I think are like people. I mean, there's there's a reason comic book guy is a stereotype. I mean, those places do exist. I've been into comic shops that are <laughs> in the basement. You literally, there's one I can think of. You wouldn't even know it was a comic shop. It's it's in the basement underneath like an office building, and you go down and it's the guy is is you know helpful enough, but it's cramped and it it you know it's just it, it's not exactly a nice retail space. Um, so. My gut feels you'd probably just have to give it a whirl to see, you know, what the person's like, I, you know, some places uh, it's great. Other places I, I know there's a few places I've gone in with uh, with Lisa and it was like, oh, what's a girl doing here? <laughs> like, okay. um, I guess we'll we'll get get out of here. So, um, you know, it, it, it comes in all flavors, I guess. Yeah. Well, and that's like you said, I, I think I'm sure every shop is a little bit different. And hey, at least for me, I feel like most of the things you're talking about here, I at least have some recognition of. So that gives me maybe a little bit of cred versus uh, yet at least comparison of somebody that maybe watched the movie and for fun went into a, to a comic book shop after that. And then you just got to see uh, how, how open those folks are from there. Cause I would be very curious to know, you know, for those that own a comic book shop, what is that like? What's the day to day like, um, you know, <laughs> I, I guess like other things of maybe, is it, is it more glamorous? Let's say uh, or is it, is it less glamorous than it sounds as far as sitting around? <laughs> Speaking as someone who has spent a few days, like trying to sort and organize someone else's collection to integrate it with my collection you know you do that for like three or four hours and it's stop, it stops being fun your back hurts and it's like it's like oh man i'm ready for a drink and to kind of 
you know, move on to something else. So I'm sure doing it day day to day. I mean, I'm sure parts of it are awesome, but I'm also yeah. sure there's days where your back hurts and you just can't look at one more bag and board. Well, actually, I, that reminds me of a story that I was going to tell when we were doing our Disney recap, and you'll appreciate this. Uh, so we had our Disney t-shirts, and finally one day I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to not wear a Disney t-shirt, and I have a Daddy Shark shirt, right? So everybody that sees me says, oh, that's in my head, that's in my head, the Daddy Shark song. So um, we're finishing lunch, and there's a teenage girl worker, and she says the same thing, like, oh, now I have that song in my head. And I said, yeah, I think I've put that in a few people's head. And she goes, Hey, as long as it's not a Disney song. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They probably get it's just it. makes, and, and the reason why you would probably uh, relate to this is the only thing I could think of is the Simpsons episode with itchy and scratchy land. And when they're at the new year's place and March says, um, it must be nice ringing in the new year's like every 15 yeah. minutes. And it's just like the police kill me. me. Yeah. And if you watch that episode uh, later in the episode, when things are going yes. bad, they come over the radio and go, we have another jumper. And I forget jumper. the name of it. Something mixed scratch. Yeah. The, the new year's pavilion yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> exactly. So that's all I could think of for that was like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. They're like, you know, to some extent, a job is a job. So yeah, and I mean, for a comic book store, it's retail. In fact, I was, um, I was the last time I was at the comic book store, he was ringing up, and I mean, individually, they're ringing these things up. Mm -hmm. So when, when he runs the receipt, it's gigantic. I mean, it's probably, I bet it's twelve foot tall if you like, you know, laid it out end to end. So again, I was sort of apologizing to him and I said, whatever's easiest on you guys, just, you know, if you want to run up part of it and then check out other people or he said, no, I think we can just run through these. And he said, do you want a receipt? And I said, I, don't even print it. And he said, well, I have to print it based on the system. And I said, well, I'm not going to use it. So just, you know, throw it out. I'm not going to bring anything back. And he mm -hmm. said, well, you actually are not allowed to bring back comic books. And I said, oh, you know, I never thought of that does that happen a lot to people, <laughs> do people like yeah. buy a comic and try? And he said, it happens more than it should. And it's <laughs> like, I'm, you know, we're not, so, you know, it's retail. So I'm sure you get, you know, a fair amount of odd, uh, you know, requests and suggestions. <laughs> For sure. So, Hey, we are at an hour. So I think I've gotten through everything that I had on my list. Anything that had come to mind in the world of comic books that's worth mentioning. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think what you said is, it, you know, give it a whirl uh, if, if you're interested. I know some of the events I go to, what I find most fun is there's like the hardcore comic guys that are out front. And usually there's one or two that work there and they're they're debating, you know, what the best arc is, who the best character is, who the best crew. I mean, they know this stuff inside and out way more than I do. But, you know, then this last time around, I, I kind of set up shop by a few long boxes and I'm going through them. And there was a kid that was probably, I don't know, he couldn't have been any more than 12. And he's looking through the box next to me and I'm looking through the box and, you know, I realized that he wanted to get into the box I was in just because he kind of mm -hmm. kept looking over. So it was like, hey, you know, you want this box. So we kind of switched spots. Well, then he's going through the box. He's like, what books are you interested in? Can I pull anything? So, you know, the, me and this 12-year-old are, are chatting about comic. <laughs> That's not going to happen in like a lot of arenas where, you know, it's right. just, it's just <laughs> like, Let's hope not. yeah, well, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I guess in some arenas it shouldn't happen, but uh, right. it was kind of an, uh, you know, just sort of a fun thing that it, it's not unique to comics. I think any kind of, 
you know, hobby might lend itself to that. But, um, you know, there is a bit of a community and like any community, I'm sure you get some jerks, but there's also, um, you know, some interesting folks. So yeah, if someone's interested, you know, give it a whirl, see how it works. If it doesn't work out, well, try somewhere else, or maybe it's not for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good advice. So appreciate it. I'll catch up with you later. Okay. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly shows, please hit the subscribe button. Thank you. Mm -hmm.